Blog Talk Radio. You got to accentuate the positive feeling. Mine the negative. Latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In Between. You gotta spread joy up to the maximum. Bring gloom down to the minimum. Have faith. A pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness, challenges, and solutions. I am your host. Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach of Satari Life Skills Institute. And today, our show topic is Blueprint for Financial Success. We are very honored and uh, very pleased to have with us today Felicia Townsend Ivy. And Felicia has been with New York Life Insurance Company for a little over a year. Miss Ivy graduated from Notre Dame College of Ohio in 1992 with a Bachelor's of Art degree in Business Administration. She has worked in the financial field for over 18 years, with the first 12 years working as an IT developer and business analyst for a national bank's brokerage firm and the last four years as a business analyst for the bank's retail banking firm. Miss Ivy is a member of Zion Chapel Missionary Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio, where she is an active servant of the youth ministry team, member of Cleveland Job Corps Community Relations Committee, recording treasurer for Caring Individuals Stepping Out Against Breast Cancer, member of the African American Marketing Unit and Women's Marketing Unit of New York Life. Ms. Ivy focuses on enhancing the lives of her clients and helping them achieve their dreams by teaching basic financial principles, showing them how to protect their current assets and grow their finances, provide personal caring services, and giving back to the community. Miss Ivy resides in Cleveland, Ohio, with her husband, Christopher Ivy, uh, and they have one son and two daughters. Felicia, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on our show today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I am just so excited to be on the show today and to be able to share some financial tips with your listeners and our blueprint. Thank you. And I am so excited about this um, this uh, topic, uh, Blueprint for Financial Success, because I know that getting a hold of our finances, first of all, in the United States, is just an area 
that we as Americans really need to focus on, uh, which is learning how to save. Um, and then especially, um, you know, in the African-American community, and, and I can say that, you know, because I am an African-American, um, I know the importance of, of uh, being able to understand uh, money and, and understanding the importance of leaving uh, legacies for our children and, and for our children's children. So, you know, any time that we have an opportunity to um, to learn about finances and, and becoming financially uh, strong, it is it is just um, it is a good thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I yeah. want to ask oh. you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Say, and I, I just I love sharing with others is it's it's a it's a job for me cuz that's how I get paid but it's also my ministry and I just get so much spiritual uh, spiritual lift when I share with people and I teach them and I show them how to make their financial lives better and show people how to be better financial good stewards nice nice well, Felicia, I'm going to ask you to, even though I read your bio, I'm going to ask you, you know, tell us tell us about yourself. Okay. Well, um, first and foremost, I am a child of the king. Um, you know, spirituality comes first, and as long as I feel like I'm walking in the path of God and I'm making him happy, I know I'm on the right track. Um, you have mentioned I am a wife. Um, my husband is Christopher. He resides here in Cleveland with me. I have um, actually I have two grown children. I have a grown son and a grown daughter, uh, one that resides here in Cleveland. The other one lives in California. And then I have a, we call her the baby baby, and she's 13 years old, and she resides here with us in Cleveland also. And um, as you said, I'm a financial professional and an agent with New York Life, and um, I'm just loving where I am right now. I'm loving just being in this position to be able to kind of have a flexibility in life and helping and working with people. Hmm. Okay, nice, nice. What inspired you to become a financial advisor? Well, I was kind of like at a crossroad and... You know how God kind of closes one door behind you. So I was looking for my next open door, and I met Eugene Mitchell, who is the vice president of the African American Marketing Unit of New York Life, and he was talking about an ideal he had about educating minorities on how to put trusts and endowments in place for families, churches, and charities that would create multi generational wealth. And these monies that were put together in these funds could be utilized for to fund college education, start businesses, buy homes, or families could use them to fund their family reunions. You know, you could go even, you know, something might more a little minor. And uh, relieve churches for the need to pass the offering plate, uh, with the end goal being that the funds created out of these trusts and the endowments would be used within our communities that would allow new businesses to start up. In turn, those businesses would hire individuals within the community and people would be able to purchase homes with either little debt or no debt, 
pay for their college education. Same thing with little debt or no debt, but just start people up on a on a higher level. And I was just so very impressed with his plan of how we, him at New York Life at that time, it wasn't we yet, could help infuse the community to make the community as a whole a better place. That the very next day I was on board, and I have not looked back yet. And I haven't looked wow. back. Um, I'm very happy there thus far. Oh. Well, you know what? Um, when I hear you talk about that vision um, for the community and, and teaching us about um, endowments and savings and, you know, um, and, you know, uh, having uh, insurance and, you know, being able to leave something, um, again, not only to our children and our children's children, but educating us on, on the ways and the means to do it, it, it's just so powerful. It is just so powerful. And I know one of the things that you do, and we're going to talk about it today, is um, this this workshop, um, Blueprint for Success. So I'm going to ask you, what is a goal? What is Blueprint for Success? And then, what are the goals to be accomplished with the program? Blueprint for okay. Blueprint for Success is one of the workshops that we offer at New York Life. We go out and we do workshops within the community, free of charge. You know, we we don't never charge for these services. Um, so let me give our legal disclaimer up front before I go more into Blueprint. But Blueprint is for informational purposes only. Neither New York Life nor its affiliates or their professionals provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. So please consult your own professional for advice specific to your circumstances, and I have to say that for compliance. But <laughs> now with that said, um, you know, it is our goal through Blueprint that our participants would know the basic concepts of building a financial foundation because without a foundation, everything falls apart. It's not going to stand. Um, we would want them to know the value of setting and achieving solid financial goals, being able to discern the difference between a need and a desire, which is one of those things that um, get a lot of people in trouble because they feel like they need things, so they go out and they buy, 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 or show, spend, 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 and we're not doing any kind of saving because we think we need that thing out there, but what it really is is a desire. And um, also through Blueprint, we share a lot of helpful tips on ways to budget and for folks to become debt-free. You know, we do a lot of sharing within the seminars, just within the people who are in the audience, because I, you, people sitting there sometimes have ideas that I haven't even thought of yet of ways to save money on a monthly budget. So we do a lot of sharing back and forth. So I tend to mm -hmm. learn something every time I come out of a Blueprint workshop. Okay. You know, I think that's so nice because money is a taboo topic. You know, money, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, money is a topic, and I believe, that, I believe that it's because when people don't feel like they have enough of it, when they feel like they don't have enough of it to meet their needs, 
um, it just it just evokes a lot of feelings of shame and, and guilt and, and just negativity. And so to be able to have a place where you can, you know, learn about money, talk about, have a dialogue about money and, and feel safe um, is just such a good thing. Um, such a good thing. So I, I think that you all are doing a great work, a great work. Now, um, for this workshop, how is financial success defined? Well, financial success is really an individual thing because my success is not going to look like my neighbor's success. You know, everybody has a different starting point, When, especially when they come into the workshop. We have people who are, you know, they're just trying to figure out how to stay in their home. Um, so we try to meet everybody at the point where they're, they are, and um, then we get people um, to an end point of their goals. But to give an example, um, my brother-in-law was born with developmental delays. You know, back then we called it mental retardation. And... Um, People thought he wasn't going to be able to do anything with his life, and his mom would just have to take care of him for the rest of his life. But he managed to to get, you know become educated enough where he worked for twenty plus years as an aide at the developmental center where he was educated. He has already retired in his fifties, which was about two years ago, and now he's cleaning build office buildings in downtown Cleveland. He is the most proud fella. He loves what he does, and he has has his retirement savings already set up. For him, that is awesome success. I mean, you couldn't ask for much more. He has done phenomenal. Now, for someone else, they may not feel like that's successful when I'm cleaning buildings. So it's, it's where everybody where their goal can be and your personal best that you can be. But as from a blueprint from a blueprint standpoint, we're looking at success as far as people knowing where their finances are, know where you are now and getting in place to try to become debt free. Um that's one of the one of our goals within Blueprint is one of my personal goals that I like for my clients to somewhat set, but that may not be the all-in for everybody because some people may carry a little bit of debt all the time. For other people, it may be achieving a million a million dollars in their retirement savings. But um, we all want to. That's would say the the most success that we would want all of our clients to have is the goal that they set for themselves, and hopefully that would include being debt-free. Okay, okay. So so financial success is different for everybody, and it's a goal that each of us as individuals have to kind of figure out, and, you know, where are our values, where do I see myself, all depending on how old I am, where do I see myself in 10 years or 30 years, and what are the visions, what are the goals I have for my family. So it's a matter of asking ourselves probably a series of questions to determine um, you know what what we want what we want our goals to be, and uh, being able to reach those goals, um, you know, so what makes success different for everybody because we all have different goals. 
Okay. Absolutely. And the bottom line for it is people knowing their cash flow, knowing their net worth, and having protection in place for the things that sabotage people's financial health. And having about a minimum of three months of pay in their emergency savings. Yes. We like to see six months, but a minimum of three months in their emergency savings. And once our clients get to that point, we can kind of call that financial success. Okay. Okay. Now, um, understanding that finances has a lot to do with understanding terminology, let's go over some definitions. Um, And we talked about finance. You gave us a definition or kind of told us what financial success is. Now, is financial security and financial success the same, or is financial security a little bit different? It's a little bit different. Financial security is the condition of having the resources to support a a comfortable standard of living in the foreseeable future. You can kind of look at it, you know, how there's there's signs for everything. So I would say if you have... If you can look and you can say, well, my debts are, I'm debt-free, or at least my debts are under control. I know I can pay my monthly expenses. That's one. And two, being in control of your expenses, knowing what's coming, and things are not just flowing and you don't know what's coming out of your account at what time, and, you know, you got oops, you got surprises going on. Okay, if you you don't have that going on, you're in control of your expenses, that's another sign that you have financial security. And uh, consistently increasing your savings and knowing your net worth on a monthly basis, that is financial security. Okay, so... Um so um having knowing that I have the means, the income, um, to meet my expenses uh, on an ongoing basis is what I hear you saying, um, is a part of financial security. Um, knowing that I'm able to save towards my goals um is a is a form of uh financial security. Absolutely. It's pretty much okay. knowing when you get to the end of the month you have more money left at the end of the month than month. Because okay. some of us run out of money before the end of the month. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. And what is cash flow? Cash flow is all of your household income. So that would be what you make, what your husband makes, you know, if your kids are putting some things into the pot. It's what everybody's bringing home after tax minus your household expenses. What you have left, that is your cash flow. Interesting. So you paid all those bills, what you have left. Okay, okay. Huh, all right. And, and you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm learning some things here. Um, that's interesting because a lot of times what, what, the, the cash flow is where we get into trouble with <laughs> Absolutely. Um, That's when you find out you got more month than money, or uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> hopefully I say we're myself, all on the other end. Yeah, because you know, on a budget sheet, you know, I know I, you know, and they and they they're asking me, well, what are my expenses? I know I've got rent. Here's my rent. Here's my utilities. Here's how much I, you know, my 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 
uh, daycare, or the, the expenses that I know that I have. But, you know, it seems like cash flow has to do with how much I pay for my groceries and um, how much I may pay on entertainment and, you know, those kind of things, how much I pay with, by, you know, the clothing, the money I spend for clothing and things of that nature. And gas in the car and getting your hair done, it's, it's all that. Interesting. Okay, okay. And what about net worth? What is that? Okay, and net worth, that is something that's different from the cash flow. Net worth is all of your assets. That would be like your home that you own outright. So you would have to subtract off what you still owe on your home and how much your home is worth minus what you owe. If you own your home outright, it's what it's worth. Um, what you have in your savings accounts, your checking accounts, your 401K, um, even count in um, like your jewelry. It's all of the assets that you own minus the liabilities, which is you know anything that you owe out, any loans that you owe out, the the rest of your mortgage that you still owe. So your assets minus the liability, what you have left, that is your total net worth. Hmm. Okay. Okay, and I want to say for the listeners, um, the the Blueprint for Success um, workshop um, it it um, talks about a lot of these terms that we're going over, and so um, I feel like it's very important to understand the language of money. And a lot of these, these well, not a lot, lot of them, all of the terms that we're going over have to do with the language of money. Um, what about risk? Management. What what is that? Risk management. It sounds really big and huge, but we all do it every single day. Um, it's just risk management is identifying and assessing and prioritizing the uncertain the uncertainties in life. And that sounds real big, but basically, it's just looking at what could happen and minimizing it, taking those steps to minimize it. So that would be, okay, you have a a car, you know, it could get into a car accident, but I still owe a note on my car. So you get car insurance in place to in case something does happen to that vehicle so you can minimize the fact that you're going to have a car that you can't drive anymore, but you still owe money on it. That is risk management. Okay. So and we so, do that uh, with other and oh, cause then we do that with other aspects, even like with our health. You get health insurance in place in case you get sick. That's part of your risk management, also. Interesting. Okay, so uh, risk management, so life insurance in case something happens to me, then I have something to leave for my family. Absolutely, and life insurance is the one thing that we know. It's going to happen, I should say, losing one's life. It's the one thing that we know is inevitable. You may keep your car forever, and actually it'll go from being a depreciating asset, you know, because it goes down in value, and if you keep it long enough, it goes back up. But your life, we all know we were born, and we're going to die. So it's something that's going to happen. It may be sooner, it may be later, but it's the one thing, it's the one risk that we know eventually is going to happen. So it, it everyone should try to have life insurance in place because 
you know that is the one thing that definitely is going to happen. And if it happens and you're not prepared for it, you're going to leave your family in a hole. So you're going to leave your family a big debt. And if you have something in place, then you can leave your family a legacy. You can leave them something that they can build upon. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. What about um, emergency fund? What is an emergency fund? An emergency fund is an account that is used or set is, is used to set aside funds to be used in an emergency situation, such as if you lose your job, you need to have those funds if you don't have money coming in, or if you have a major illness or you have a major repair that comes up, you know, you spring a a leak in your roof. Those are the items that um, you would utilize for your emergency fund. But pretty much most of the time that emergency fund is kept in a savings or checking account, something that we call liquid. That means you don't have to go and, um, and have the money liquidated. You know, you don't have to go sell off anything in order for you to get to the cash. So you want to have it pretty much in a liquid form where you can just go and make a withdrawal and get those monies and handle your emergencies because it is an emergency. So normally you need that money right away. Okay, okay. Hmm. Life insurance. You know, what is the definition of life insurance? Okay, I know we talked about it a little bit, but life insurance is a vehicle to provide a legacy to your loved ones. It's a plan under which we, the person, you make regular payments to a company like New York Life during your lifetime, and in return, the company pays your beneficiaries, your beneficiaries, your your loved ones, most of the time is a much larger amount of money than what you put into it upon your death. Okay, okay. And that and that is a form of security, a form of security. It is, um, and I would say it, it is a security, but it's also an investment, depending on what type of insurance a person puts in place. Okay. And there's also, a, I'm sorry. No, no, I said, oh, it can be an investment. I'm just, and I'm also, just listening and learning. <laughs> Yes, it also can be an investment because certain types of life insurance can be used for not just your death, but it's used in life also. And that's what we like to tout at New York Life, that our life insurance is not just a death benefit, but it's also a life benefit because the money within a whole life or a permanent life insurance policy, it grows tax-free and it can be taken out tax-free. So it's the one vehicle that can grow tax, what we call tax-deferred, because you're not getting a 1099 at the end of the year that you have to um, record on your taxes. You don't pay any taxes on it as it grows, and you do not pay any taxes when the money is withdrawn. So it's a great vehicle to be used during life because you can borrow from yourself. It doesn't it doesn't get included on anything. It's, it's your money, and you use it the way that you want to use it. Okay, okay. What is the definition of health insurance? Okay, health insurance is insurance 
pretty much the same thing. It's a vehicle that pays for your doctor bills in case you get sick, but it also pays for your doctor bills to make sure that you stay healthy. And that's one of the um, pieces that we like to see people have in place in their foundation because if you don't have your health, you have nothing. Everything else is going to fall apart if you don't have your health. So you want to have health insurance in place, okay. hopefully to stay healthy. Okay, okay. So for, you know, health insurance is an insurance that is used for preventative so that you can stay well. And then, you know, for, um, you know, when you are sick and you need to have medical care. Absolutely. All right. What about um, disability insurance? Um, You know, what is it and what is it it used for? Disability insurance is something that a lot of people don't think about until they need it. People think about workmen's compensation, but a lot of people don't think of putting it in place for themselves. But disability insurance pays a covered person if they are injured or if they are too ill to work. So now you've had an accident, and it didn't happen at work because that's what workman comp kind of handles for you. It didn't happen at work, but you had an accident off of work, and you can no longer do that job that you did, or maybe you can't do any job. Um, Things begin to suffer pretty fast, Um, even if you have a six-month emergency fund. You know, things can get eaten away if you can't go back to work ever. So it's great to have that disability in place because it will kick in and pay you a certain monthly amount of money. Hmm. Okay, and I, you know, I never thought about if I got injured outside of the workplace and that workman's comp is for that and disability insurance is, you know, could be, you know, just covers a wider range of, of things that could happen to me. Hmm. Absolutely. Okay. A lot of people don't think about it, or I'll speak to people and they'll say, oh, well, i got disability disability at my job. Well, some of those disabilities don't pay unless something happened to you on the job, and the ones that do pay a lot of times is limited as to the length of time, you know, that you'll get paid back. Okay, so there are different types of disability insurance, and, and when we are looking at getting our financial house together, um, you know, doing research and, and really understanding the different types of disability insurance is important. Okay. Absolutely. And even looking at different vehicles that you purchase. Like within our life insurance products at New York Life, we have a thing called a disability waiver, a premium. So if a person does get injured, sick, or something happens where they can no longer do the job that they do today, New York Life will pay their premium until either they can pay it themselves or forever. Oh, wow. Interesting. Huh. It's, okay. it's that important to us that people keep their insurances in place. Hmm. What is long-term care? Long-term care is... I, I call it it's the ace in the hole to keep everybody's plan completely foolproof. Because <laughs> even the best financial person who has kept 
their plan together, they got their retirement funding on target, if they become ill or injured and have a long-term a long-term type of injury or can no longer care for themselves and have to go into a long-term care facility or even they may be at home and need long-term care. They need someone to come in to take care of them. This is where the long-term care insurance comes in. Um, It is an insurance that it pays health professionals or family members to care for a covered person when they are not capable of completing basic functions of daily living. And that's like, okay, I can't take myself to the bathroom. I I can't brush my own teeth or, you know, I can no longer get up and walk and cook. Those are, you know, basic functions that most of us, we don't even think about it. We just get up and we do it. But um, that's what long-term care is in place for. But the very special thing about long-term care is for states that partner, they call it a partnering program, the money that a person spends on long-term care, I should say the money that long-term care pays out to pay for their care becomes exempt if the person gets to a point where they need to move to Medicare or Medicaid, that would be. So long-term care usually only goes for, I'd say there are some plans that will go like a lifetime, but, you know, very few people get that. The average plan is three to five years. So if your long-term illness lasts longer than that, you're going to run out of your pot of money, and eventually you're going to get to the point where you need Medicaid, and then the the state is going to want to want you to spend down your money. So Mm -hmm. this preserves that whole pot of money that was paid out. So say your lifetime benefit of your long-term care is $500,000. The state will only make you spend down your assets to $500,000. So say you you have a net worth of 600000 then you will only have to spend down 100000 to the 500000 before Medicaid will kick in and start paying for your long-term care. So wow, it, it so it's preserves almost, their assets. Wow, yeah, I see it as a bridge. Um, I see it as a bridge because um, I, I know that what happens with a lot of seniors, um, oft, often, not always, but often, is that um, they don't understand um, the importance of um, mm, making adjustments with their assets Um just in case something happens and Medicare doesn't take everything, you know, or Medicaid doesn't take everything, and you know. And so right. long-term care is like a bridge. Um, and like you say, it's a protection uh, to Absolutely. Help, help us. And it also, mm-hmm. I was just going to say, and it also gives people choices because when you have long-term care insurance, it's um you can actually kind of go, you can more go out and choose where you want to go because a lot of facilities will take you quicker if you have private insurance versus if you are, if you do have Medicaid, and you can get into better facilities if you have long-term care insurance in place. Okay, interesting, interesting. And um, what is what is a college fund or college funding? College funding is... 
simply an account set aside to save money for college. It could be a 529 plan within your state. It could be an investment fund. It could be as simple as a savings account, or it could be a tax-free savings plan. I like to call it that, and that is um, saving money with within a whole life policy. Um, and, again, just going back to the tax-free plan, money that is saved and grown in a whole life policy is tax-free. If a person is applying through FAFSA for funds, those funds do not count against your FAFSA as income. Um, so it's a, it's a win-win way to save money. Also, it's a way to save, and if your child decides they do not want a college, well, okay, you can use that money for something different, which is a little different from the 529s. And I'm not saying a 529 is bad, it's good, just a tax-free savings plan kind of gives you more um, avenues. Interesting. Interesting. What is retirement planning? Retirement planning refers to the allocation of finances for retirement, and there's two basic sides of um, retirement plans. There are qualified plans, which are controlled by the government, that is um, our Social Security 401Ks, IRAs, the FERS, PRS, um, plans of that nature, et cetera. And then there's personal retirement saving plans. And some of those options include annuities, mutual funds. Again, you have the tax-free plan. Um, and there's, uh, there's, there's other investment vehicles also, like a Roth, that you can um, begin saving in. But retirement planning basically is it is that process of deciding how you're going to allocate your finances to save towards retirement so you can have the money for retirement. And one thing uh, we tell all of our clients is prioritize your retirement planning over college funding because you can borrow for college funding but you can't borrow for retirement. So retirement planning is 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 a, is a pretty huge priority. Okay. All right. And then I want to ask you about wealth accumulation. You know, what does that mean? Right. Wealth accumulation occurs when your savings are above the emergency fund level and your assets are larger than your debts. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty sim- much simple. It kind of goes with the cash flow a bit, but not quite the same, but they do go hand in hand. It's um, basically having money above and beyond what you need to live day to day and then putting that extra cash in a place where it can grow, and that's accumulating your wealth. Mm, okay, okay. Wow. Um that that's real interesting. Real real interesting and you know, as I'm looking at as I'm listening to you give definitions about these 
um, you know, these terms and and different ways of building um, my financial house or my blueprint. Um, you know, I'm hearing I'm hearing that there are a lot of different um, a lot of different things I need to look at, pay attention to, and um, you know, determine uh, what makes sense. Um, because mm-hmm. if I don't have children, then college funding, you know, I I don't necessarily need that. Absolutely, uh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, not unless you're uh, planning to go back yourself, because some people mm-hmm. are saved to go back themselves. But other than that, you're you're correct. Okay, so a person can do college funding even for themselves. I hadn't even thought about that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. saving for themselves. Okay, wow. When I was reading through the uh, Blueprint for Success, I saw a statistic that um, that really blew me away. Um, so that um, you, you give a statistic that for every 100 people starting their careers, by the time they are 67 years old, 12 will have died, 13 will have incomes under $14,570 a year, 66 will have incomes between $14,570 and $65,000, and only nine will have incomes in excess of 65000 or more. Absolutely. Oh, wow. What, what are these um, statistics based on, and, and why are they significant? Why is this significant for us to know? Right. Well, actually, those stats were published by the CDC and the Census Bureau, and those, those figures come out of um, figures they have from 2010, and it showed that for every 100 people starting their careers at age 25, um, this is what happens by um, by the time these folks are 67 and ready to retire. And the stats are significant because it shows that the average individual is not saving enough for retirement to maintain their pre-retirement standard of living. And today is very different from about 10 or 15 years ago. You know, back a while ago, when people retired, mainly their homes were paid off. You know, people just just kind of bought their homes kind of young, and they stayed there. But now people kind of move around, and as they kind of make more money, they move into their dream homes. And a lot of retirees are finding themselves still having mortgages when um, when they re- when they retire. And also we had the kind of the movement of the career woman where a lot of people started having children later. You know, they kind of delayed starting families. And a lot of folks, they still got kids that are in college, believe it or not, even like at 67 or they're just coming out of college. And, you know, the parents are still kind of holding this college debt, too, that they have to pay off. So mm-hmm. it's important for people to be able to um, to know where you want to be and how much money you're going to need by the time you retire and just know that you're probably going to need more than your parents had back in the day during retirement. 
Also, people are healthier now due to medical um, accomplishments. People are living longer. We're healthier. And people want to do things in their retirement. They want to travel. Basically speaking, most people want to maintain the same standard of living today, you know, to to say in retirement that they have today, and even if not better. So for that, people have to have more money in place. And um, just knowing what happened to a lot of other people, it's a wake-up call to us to do better planning. Wow. So are you telling me the money that I'm making now is not the same kind of money I'm going to have when I retire if I don't do anything, you know, if I don't save on my own um, in addition to what my employer might be saving for me? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Um, Because, well, for people who are younger, even say those folks that are in their 20s and 30s and maybe even the early 40s, we don't know. Social Security is not promised to us. Everybody else pretty much before us could count on it. We can't count on Social Security being there, so that actually might be off the table. So we have to have our own personal savings also because we can't totally just rely on that one pot. Wow, interesting. Okay. All right, and and why is it important um, to know, why is it important that I know what my current savings is? You know, who cares? Why, why, other than me, why is that, I mean, why is that important? (laughs) It's partially for uh, for that same reason. Well, it's for today and for tomorrow, because in between beginning your work career and before you get to retirement, there's going to be lots of goals along the way, and, you can't know where you where you know how to get where you're going if you don't know where you are. It's like creating a, a map quest for driving directions. Uh, if you don't have a starting point to put into the the program, you know, into your map quest, it's not going to give you good directions on how to get to the end point. So you got to know where you are today to figure out how much you're going to need, you know, the additional that you need to save up to hit your goals. Um, you know, we just we have to keep up with it. Wow, and I like that that because I you know that is a good good question to ask. You know, where do I want to be? You know, where do I see my life, and what do I see myself doing at age sixty five at retire or sixty seven at retirement? You know, what are the what is the lifestyle that I want to have? What what do I what are the the, the activities that I want to be doing with my life? And and I guess knowing where I'm at right now. Um, will help me, t- and you know, working with a professional will help me determine what are some um, some tools I need to put in place in order to uh, get me on the road, or in order for me to to work towards getting, uh, you know, reaching that goal, achieving that goal. Okay. Absolutely. And then even people, we ask people from the beginning, well, when do you want to retire? Because you have some people who actually want to retire. Earlier, You know, they want to retire in their 50s. And if you're not 59 and a half yet, you know, it's very, um, you know, it's not uncommon for a person to want to do a 55 and out at their place of employment. So, you know, if you're a person, you're at a company where you know you can do a 55 and out or you're a business owner and you want to do a 55 and out, then you have to 
you definitely got to say because you got to have a bridge because you can't start touching any of your other government-type funds, your IRAs, your 401Ks, and your Social Security until, well, at least the IRAs and your 401K, until you're 59 and a half without getting huge penalties. So you would definitely need to think ahead so that you would be able to accumulate enough money to bridge you until your other funds start kicking in. And another thing that I really meant to mention prior is pension plans. A lot of companies are no longer offering pension plans, so that's another reason why we have to have to plan ahead. And even companies that have had pensions in place, many of them are freezing their pensions. They're they're like keeping what you have, and it'll continue to earn interest. But companies are they're they're stopping contributing to these pension funds. And prior to that, you know, I should say not prior, but at least like 10 years ago, that was pretty unheard of. 10, 15 years, if you worked for at least a, a mid-sized company or larger, you had a, you would come out and when you retired, you would have that pension that would pay you for the rest of your life. But now we have to save separately for that. So we have to look at all of those things, and we have to be prepared even if we worked for a company that had a pension that if that company goes belly up, we might need to pull from a different pot of money. So we just have wow. to be prepared. Interesting. Well, for you know, for for those who may be um, struggling with um, reducing debt, um, because I'm hearing it's not unrealistic to retire with debt, um, which is not the goal. And so for those who mm-hmm, for those who may be struggling with debt, what are what are some suggested uh debt reduction strategies that you can offer? Well well one of the first things and one of the things we try to teach throughout Blueprint for Financial Success is evaluate your need versus a desire because that's the only way to kind of minimize what the spend that's going out the window, out the door, the money, we don't even quite know what happened to it, and we put that to a positive use into growth for your future. So um, that's one of the number one things. Evaluate your needs versus your desires to make sure that your needs are being taken care of first. Um, Be in a hurry to get out of debt. You know, don't don't delay, don't procrastinate. When the phone ring and you know it's the the toll free number and you know it's a bill collector, just go ahead, pick up the phone, talk to your debt collector, and try to make some arrangements as to how you can um, reduce your interest rates with them. And sometimes it means them cutting off your credit line and then you just paying up what's left over, but then they'll lower your interest rate in the um, in the meantime. Um, but um, be in a hurry to get out of debt and don't run, run from your um, debt collectors. Um, pay all your bills before or on the due date is very important because a lot of us waste a lot of money on late fees. If people would go back and look at how much money they waste on late fees and especially oh gosh, don't get a um a NSF from a from a bank, you know, a non sufficient fund. Yeah. 
yeah. it, it kills people. It's a it's a it's a killer. So it's just money for nothing because you really don't get anything for those late fees or those non sufficient funds. It just puts you further into trouble. So we right. want to keep up with that. And uh, we also suggest that our clients use cash whenever possible. Try not to use your credit cards because that item that you buy. If you buy it on credit and then you pay it off over six months or a year, sometimes you have paid for it one and a half times or maybe even twice. So use cash whenever possible and um, negotiate. Shop around. You can shop around for the best prices that you can find, especially on those big ticket items. It seriously pays to shop around, especially for items like cars, but even for uh, washer, dryers, and for, for us ladies, clothing. Because you can go to one store, department store and the item might be 100 and you can go to a discount department store and you may be able to get that exact same item for half the price, if not like 70 off. So it pays to shop around. Um, we also suggest people to pay off their credit card balances at the end of the month. And... Um, Create a shopping list when you go out, and that will help to eliminate impulse buying. Like how many times, Katrina, have you gone out, and you might do better with this because you do budgeting, but you know, you go out and then they have that cute stuff sitting at the end of the counter and then you just got to have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or you go shopping hungry. You know, That's you find yourself... It is. You go shopping hungry, you went in for two items, and you come out with two bags. So, you know, go go in with a list. And um, then another big thing we always say is, is talk to others. Talk to your friends. Find out how they're saving on their monthly bills. Um, like I was saying, in our workshops, we always leave time for sharing so people can tell us maybe some things that they have put in place to reduce their monthly spending. Uh, and one of them um, and I don't know if I can say a company name, but um, like Net Zero, with people with their phones, and people were saying how they reduced their phone bills to like $19 a year, and I mean a year, versus you know paying um, a 75 plus per month, um, just by switching how they, you know, switching the company in which they do their communications with. Mm. So a lot of ways to, um, you know, a lot of great suggestions on how to um, reduce debt. Um, oh, you know, that, that was, yeah, that's great, and I and I like that. You know, talking to others and uh, to see what 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 other people are doing, um, because a lot of people are really becoming conscious about um, saving and uh, things that they can do to. Um, Keep more money um, in the household. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's that, right. that sharing. I think is huge. It hmm. is. It is. And then the simple things like packing your lunch instead of yeah. buying out. That's yeah, a huge that's one. Big. That is big. Right. Yeah, and, and a lot of. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say no. If you're paying out five dollars a day for your lunch. You're spending out about $100 a month on lunch just by packing your lunch. Maybe you're still getting that cup of coffee in the morning, but if you pack your lunch, you still you can save up to $100 a month just by bringing the leftovers from dinner to work for lunch. 
Absolutely, and probably um, improving your health. You know, because you you know you eat it healthy. You're not eating that fast food. You know what you're getting. Um, yeah. So a lot of times when we begin to be mindful about where our money is going and and how we are uh, reducing, not only does it help us um, with our finances, but a lot, often it has rippling effects and positive rippling effects in other areas of our life as well. So the, those were some mm-hmm, those were some really great tips. What advice would you offer um, the listening audience about um, how to start saving? And, and, and you know, where's a good place to, to start? Okay. I would say for listeners to begin by assessing their monthly cash flow. Sit down. It's painful sometimes, but sit down and do a budget. Um, and part of doing the budget starts with tracking your spending, you know, knowing where your money goes, because a lot of times when people sit down to do a budget, they don't even realize where they're spending all the money. So spend a month maybe tracking your your spending, sit down and do the budget. You, when you do your budget, you put your monthly income that's coming into the household, now that's your money minus your taxes, and then you have to subtract out all of your your monthly expenses and create a, a spreadsheet. And then uh, um, that's basically where you have to start and to figure out what the cash flow is. From that point, look around at your different financial institutions, at your banks, and see who's offering an interest rate or who is um, offering at least a free account that's not going to charge you a lot of fees and eat the money up that you put into the account. And um, start by paying yourself first. Put your put your monthly budget together and put you at the top of the list of who should be paid. So pay yourself, pay those other bills, but like I said, we got to have our cash flow controlled. Control your mm-hmm. cash flow. Pay yourself, pay your bills. You know, that's that's that is definitely the place to start. And that next level is that risk management, which I would tell people to try to do that at the same time. Because if you have an emergency or something um, grave type kind of happens, um, everything is sabotaged, and then you have your family in financial danger. Hmm. Okay. All right, and when you talk about um, um, when you talk about paying yourself first, um, you're talking about putting a putting some money in savings for yourself, and that can involve um, that can involve having money go direct deposit. You know, having twenty twenty or twenty five dollars go direct deposit directly into your savings account. You know, no, I would definitely suggest that because sometimes we tend not to miss that money that we never get into our hands. So mm-hmm. you have that one account where you do a direct deposit. It goes directly over into your other account and try to forget you even have it. You know, really try yeah. to forget you ha- have it there and don't use it. The um, the sales down at Nordstrom on shoes should not be a reason for you to go dip into that savings. Right. Those are really, really great tips. I want to ask you, how can we 
how can we contact you? How can we contact you if how can we contact you if um if our listeners want to know more about Blueprint for Success or want to know more about um saving and and uh you know and investing their 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 money. How can we reach you? Okay. I can always be reached at my office in Seven Hills, Ohio, in the greater Cleveland area, but my phone number is 216-643-8306. And again, that number is 216-643-8306. And also, I can be emailed at my email address, which is F as in Fred, L as in Larry, Townsend, you know, T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D, the letter I and the letter V as in Victor, at F-T, that's Fred, Tom, dot, NewYorkLife.com. And I know that was a long email address. That's okay. That's okay. But you know what? If we, if the audience didn't get it, we can always, um, you know, listen to the, um, listen to the show, which it turns into a podcast. Um, so thank you so much. I've learned so much, and um, you know, you've just given us a wealth of information to to think about, and and even to begin to take action on. Um, so I, I just want to I want to thank you so very much for um, for being on our show today. Oh well, thank, thank you. you. I thank you for the opportunity, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak to your audience. And you know, we didn't even get into some of the importance of um, for ladies and single moms mm-hmm. and things like that. So I would just love to come back. Um, you know, at another time and elaborate more or even talk about some of our other financial topics. I like that. You know, I like that. And let's make a plan uh, to get together to, uh, you know, to to talk about more topics. Absolutely. I can never never give too much information when it comes to um, teaching us how to keep more money in in our our pockets and uh, when it comes to teaching us how to uh, leave wealth for our children and our children's children. Absolutely. Absolutely, and just being financial secure ourselves, too, because that's a good feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to bring this edition, <laughs> we're going to bring this edition of, of Positively Affirmative to a close. Uh, we want to thank you, Felicia, um, for uh, being our guest today. And we want to thank you, our listening audience, uh, for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, and wealth building, and wealth consciousness challenges and solutions. I am your host, Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach, of Satari Life Skills Institute, where we teach women how to create their own life stories. Is your life story one you'd like to see improve? If so, tune in again next week and share the prosperity. 
Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Bye, Felicia. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Blessings. Blessings. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between.